This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. February 1st, 2023. Uh, One of the cool things, I guess, about doing a a live show is that uh, every now and then uh, the, the world throws you a bone and you get some breaking news. Um, at 8.12 this morning, Eastern Time, about 45 minutes before we were ready to go on the air, uh, Tom Brady announced that he is retiring for good. At least that's what he says. Um, matter of fact, uh, here is exactly what Tom Brady had to say. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Well, you could hear the emotion in in his voice. I mean, there's no doubt that, that uh, I think this is it. You know, we heard some of that last year, but I think I think if Tom Brady knew that this year was going to go the way that it did, I don't think he would have come back. I think he legitimately thought that Tampa had a chance to do something th- this past year. I think it's the only reason why he came back. You know, to chase one more ring. What the hell? I mean, look, um, despite everything, right? I mean, everybody wants to say, well, you know, Jesus, he was 45 years old. He's past his prime. The guy set an NFL record for for completions in a season and attempts in a season. Think about that. At 45, he still completed 67% of his passes through for 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions at 45. And... He didn't throw an interception. No, check that. He threw one interception the first nine games of the season. Of the nine interceptions he threw, six of them came in a three-game stretch in December 
when he was trying to to find a way to will this team to the division title, which they eventually got. I mean, look, it was a disappointing year. And they got humiliated in the in the playoffs. But Tom Brady did remarkable things for a guy at any age. L- listen, how about this? In his 20s, okay, in his 20s, he threw for 21,500 yards, 147 passing TDs. He had three Super Bowl championships. In his 40s, he threw for 27,000 yards, almost 28,000 yards, had 193 passing TDs and two Super Bowl championships. In his 40s. He played more years in his 20s than he did in his 40s, and he has better stats to show for it. I mean, what he did in his 30s was ridiculous, 40,000 yards and 309 touchdowns. But this is a guy that if, if you just looked at his totals in his 40s, he's in the Hall of Fame. Right? Almost 28,000 yards, 193 passing touchdowns, and two Super Bowl championships. He's getting in the Hall of Fame in his 40s. The, the guy is ridiculous, the talent that he had. Um, Dan Zampano, who comes on here every week to talk NFL football, one of the things he said to me in a text message this morning was that I hope that this is really it, that the guy deserves some peace. You know, and, and I think he's right. You know, I think that he paid a high price for coming back one more year. It cost him his marriage. Think about that. He was willing to risk his marriage for one more trip around the sun. You know, one more grab at the brass ring. So he paid a high price for a team that went under 500 and got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, he did some remarkable things at, at his age, at hell at any age. But, you know, I, I wonder if he is not going to spend the rest of his life questioning whether it was one time too many. Was the price too high? He was already the greatest ever. And I don't care what Patrick Mahomes does. I don't care what Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, what anybody else does. Nobody, and I mean nobody, will ever do what Tom Brady did in his career. Nobody. You know, I, I don't you know, I don't care if Patrick Mahomes wins, you know, five Super Bowls. There's Tom Brady, and then there's everybody else. And I'll tell you what. I mean, I've been around a long time. I'm 62 years old. I've saw some great quarterbacks. You know, I watched Joe Montana's entire career and Steve Young, and, uh, I, you know, I saw some, some great play. Tom Brady put these guys to shame. And this is a guy that nobody coming out of college thought was going to do anything. And he did this by force of will. The way that he... He went about his business the way that he sculpted his body, the way that he took care of himself. You know, you can say that some of the things he did were were a borderline uh, crazy. 
maniacal, and you're not wrong. But look at the results in terms of his career. Now, his personal life is a different story. You know, and look, by all accounts, he's a great father, even despite the, you know, the, the divorce you know, uh, he's, you know, he's kept the relationship with his kids going, and I think he has done the best that he can under the circumstances. But, man, you know, and it's not because, you know, his, his, his ex-wife, Giselle Bunchen was, you know, look, she, yeah, she was a supermodel. So it's not even that. It's not, it doesn't matter who she was. She could have been, you know, uh, you know, Betty Jane off the street. It still cost him his marriage. And, and maybe maybe he feels it was worth it. May, you know, I don't know. You know, but he didn't get, obviously, what he was hoping for that one more grab at the brass ring. And, and I, think, I think Dan's right. I think that the guy deserves some peace. I think it's going to take time for him to get that peace, though. Now, you could hear the emotion in his voice. And I'm sure this was not an easy decision. But um, I think that I think that he's done. I mean, there's nothing else he has to prove. He didn't have anything to prove coming back this year. Everybody said that, but he came back anyway. You know, but it's going to take him some time to get over the competitive thing, you know, not being on the field. And maybe he will be able to get a piece of that by going to the Fox booth because he's already got a contract in place with Fox that I think, I want to say, pays him $34 million a year to be a color analyst. It'll be interesting to see how he does stepping into that role. And make no mistake, they're not putting him in the studio. They're going to put him in the booth. So he's going to have some homework to do, but he's going to attack his his broadcasting career, I suspect, the same way that he attacked his playing career. Now, it's possible, you know, it won't work out and, and, and he won't like it very much. But I think it's the only chance he's got to kind of still have that, uh, that competitive spirit. You know what? You can hear it, for instance, in Tony Romo. Now, Tony Romo... I got to be honest, gets on my nerves. I think he talks too much. But you can hear the excitement in Tony Romo's voice on the CBS games. You can hear he still got that um, that competitive thing because he's he's thinking along with the quarterback and with the coaches and 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 he can break down uh, you know stuff in a way that that other people can't. But he talks too damn much, and he talks too damn fast sometimes. But I think that this is that might be an opportunity for Tom to kind of wean himself off of it. We'll see. But you know, look, I think this. I think I think it is it. I mean, I don't. You can't keep saying I'm quitting and then come come back. So I think this is it. And I like what he said. You only get you know one chance at a you know at, at, at an essay about your. Uh, your career, and he he used that last year. So he did it very simply this year, and uh, a post on on Twitter at at eight twelve, a.m. So uh, look, congratulations on a great season. Um, we can, 
and I don't want this to sound uh, petty, but now we can stop hearing all the rumors about, well, Tom Brady's going to go here, Tom Brady's going to go there, and, you know, he's going to play, and, and, and where's he going to play? Well, now we know he's not going to play. Now, of course, with social media and the 24-hour news cycle and everything, it's not going to end, you know. Just like with Rob, Rob Gronkowski retiring, right? There's been every week Rob Gronkowski is going to come back and play, right? I mean, it's just, it's just Julian Edelman retired. Uh, we keep hearing that Julian Edelman's coming back. Now, Edelman, you know, ended that speculation this week. But, uh, you know, but that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we're still going to hear it for a little while. I think until he actually gets in the Fox booth and people hear him uh, start calling games, that it'll stop. But great career, and, you know, just looking at his numbers, excuse me, just looking at his numbers, just in the decades is the stuff that I spouted off to you when, you know, when I first mentioned this. Ridiculous. Excuse me. How many guys can say that they had a Hall of Fame career three times? Because that's what he did. Right? That's what he did. He was a Hall of Famer three times. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the pantheon of greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, he's at the top of the list. Matter of fact, when it comes to the pantheon of the greatest players, period, in the NFL, he's at the He's at the top of the list, or damn close to it. You know who else would I? Who else would I consider uh, to be at the top? You know of of uh, of the NFL greatest players of all time. Not named Tom Brady. <laughs> um, there's only a few, and 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 I and they're running backs. I would I would put Jim Brown up there. I would put Barry Sanders up there. I put both those guys up there because the fact that their careers were actually short. But what they did was ridiculous. Barry Sanders could have continued to play, and he walked away. But watch some film sometime of the things that that he did, the way that he ran the football. Ridiculous. Jim Brown, same thing. You know, Jim Brown was a different era. I get that. Barry Sanders is somebody that a lot of us – can, you know, watch play on a regular basis and just marvel that. Um, so I would say Brown. I would say Barry Sanders. I would say uh, Walter Payton. And I would say probably Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers is another one of those guys I remember uh, from my youth. I, and so I would put them at the top. And then I, you know, and then I, you know, I might talk about. Uh, that's probably it, because I was going to say Montana or, or or Steve Young. But Tom Brady is head and shoulders better than those guys. Period. You know, and, and Montana and Young were great. Tom Brady was otherworldly. Just like Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, a few other guys like, like Peyton and Gail Sayers were otherworldly when it came to the running back position. So those are the guys that, that I would put up at the top. But Tom Brady, uh, on the Mount Olympus of, of football, he would be Zeus. He's at the top of them all. So... Uh, so now we don't have to hear any more about the possibility that he will go back to the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, he's a Bay Area guy. The 49ers haven't had any stability at quarterback. Of course, even if Tom Brady went, did stay and went there, it wouldn't be stability. It'd be for a year and he'd be gone. Um, but now the 49ers can, you know, we can, we can stop hearing about that. And, uh, 
we didn't have the show on uh, uh, on Tuesday, but think about this. Just think about what the 49ers had to do in that playoff game when you find out that Brock Purdy completely tore the UCL in his elbow. And he came back in the game with an elbow that was done, that needs Tommy John surgery. And yet he tried to, look, you know, uh, <laughs> you wonder why they couldn't play? You know, or why they couldn't throw, and you know there were a couple of people saying, "What do you mean he can't throw? Come on, you know, uh, you know, just show a, you know, even if it's not accurate, show show that you'll try to pass." He couldn't. Completely blew out that elbow. So now the 49ers can move on, not have to worry about the Tom Brady rumors, and now they can decide if if it's going to be Trey Lance, if it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, if it's going to be a trade, if it's going to be Brock Purdy. Who's it going to be? But now we don't have to worry about Tom Brady being one of those people. And uh, but but you know again, uh, good for Tom, a, a hell of a career. I am, uh, you know, thrilled that I got to watch this guy's entire career. Thrilled. Uh, <laughs> you know, for some people, he's the only quarterback that they've known. You know that 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 were, you know if they were a, a Patriot fan and they're in their twenties. Think about that. Even in their 30s, he's the only quarterback that they have ever known, you know, in terms of uh, of being, you know, their guy. I mean, he was with New England for so long, and they followed him when he went to Tampa. And so they got their entire lives were Tom Brady's career. <laughs> uh, but I'm thrilled that I got to watch uh, him play damn near every game. And... Uh, you just continue, you know, even when he, you know, and, and look, I, I do this show all the time. And, and I remember there were times and, you know, we'd have our show on Fridays and we'd talk NFL football and I'd say, he's done, isn't he? You know, or he's washed up, isn't he? Right. You know, when, when they came back, you know, when he came, even when he came back this year and the team struggled and they said, well, Tom Brady's just dinking and dunking, you know, he's not a, he's not a very good quarterback anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, he was still one of the uh, the handful of best quarterbacks in the NFL. And if you could give Tom Brady the weapons that he needed instead of guys that were broken down and couldn't do anything anymore, you know, handing him Julio Jones, who's 112 years old and well past his prime, Mike Evans, who's not the guy that he used to be, he just didn't have the weapons. But we saw at times that Tom Brady was more than capable of throwing the ball down the field, but he didn't have the weapons. And he didn't have a running attack, right? So everybody knew Tom Brady was going to throw the ball, so of course they're going to cover the guys deep. And, you know, the only thing left sometimes is the check down guys. It wasn't Tom Brady's fault that uh, the offense stunk. He did the best that he could. And look what the numbers that he put up for a guy who stinks. But when you have had a career like he's had, and people expect you to be otherworldly, and you're not. People don't know how to handle it. So Tom Brady rides off into the sunset or and or rides off into the Fox booth, which is going to be uh, very interesting. And he, he will now become the number one analyst. He's going to be on all the marquee games. He has to be. They're not going to pay him that kind of money to be the number two or three guy. 
right? So he's going to become the new Troy Aikman at Fox. He'll probably be teamed with Kevin Burkhardt, I would imagine, and they'll be the you know the number one guy, or with uh, with Joe Davis. I don't know who it'll be, but but uh, he will be the number one guy. And he'll I, you know, he'll probably be just as good as a color analyst as he was. Look, this is a very smart guy. He knows the game in and out. He's not going to, and I, I, I hope he's, I know he's not. He's not going to be obnoxious like Tony Romo can be. And Tony Romo can be informative, but he can also be obnoxious. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. So at the end of the day, we might find, you know, maybe maybe Tom Brady will win himself a couple of Emmys to go along with all the uh, uh, the Super Bowl championships that he's got. 26 minutes past here. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got other football news that I intended to lead the show with, but the Denver Broncos have themselves a coach, as do the Texans. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 28 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, so uh, what I was planning to start the show with this morning was the fact that the Denver Broncos uh, reached a deal with the New Orleans Saints yesterday to make Sean Payton their head coach. So they essentially had to trade with the Saints uh, to get Sean Payton, who is still under contract to New Orleans, uh, to come be their new head coach. Um, Look, (laughs) this better work. Why? Think about what the Denver Broncos have had to do to get to where they are right, where they are right now. In order to get Sean Payton and their quarterback, Russell Wilson, they basically have mortgaged the future of this franchise, the near future. They had to give up to get a starting quarterback and a head coach. They gave up seven draft picks, which included three first-round picks and three second-round picks. Right? Seven draft picks. $161 million that's guaranteed money to Russell Wilson. And Sean Payton is probably going to make somewhere around $20 bucks a year. Think about that. So this better work. Um, look, he had success in New Orleans. They were 152 and 89 in his 15 years with the Saints. What, perennial playoff participants. They were nine and eight. Uh, they won the Super Bowl, beating the Indianapolis Colts. And he walked away when his quarterback walked away. When Drew Brees retired, Sean Payton said, "I'm not dealing with this." I'm out of here. <laughs> I look. Uh, I, <laughs> do you think that was a coincidence? I don't. He knew that this team was going to be in for some rough years because they had not addressed the quarterback position properly, and he didn't want to handle it. He didn't want to deal with it. I don't blame him. Now. He's got to fix Russell Wilson. You know, and I don't know I don't know how easy that's going to be, but look, we know Russell Wilson has a lot of talent. We saw what he did 
in Seattle. He was a great quarterback in Seattle. He cre- he was able to create a lot of things uh, with both his arm and his legs, and he just, for whatever reason, now some of it may be talent, who knows, but, you know, maybe uh, – I think I think part of Russell Wilson's problem was Russell Wilson. In that, I, I believe that his ego got in the way. Some of this, I think he had a lot of belief in himself, and I think he was maybe a little bit too cocky. And I think he got knocked down a couple of pegs, and I don't think he handled it well. But, you know, look, uh, they didn't even have a first-round pick. The only way the Broncos got their first-round pick back was they made a trade when they pra- traded Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins. They ended up getting the 29th overall pick, and now that goes to the Saints. So they don't, you know, I mean, again, I I hope I hope it was worth it. You know, I mean, um, and, and Denver talked to a lot of people, and there were a lot of people, I think, that walked away from that situation. Just said, you know, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh was one of the guys they talked to. I don't think he wanted any part of that. Why the hell would he want to leave a successful Michigan program to go down and try to fix a train wreck that the Denver Broncos are right now? But, look, Peyton's got a lot of success, had a lot of success working with Drew Brees. And you could make the case that Russell Wilson, at least athletically, is a better quarterback than Drew Brees. Drew Brees was was small, but Drew Brees was smart, you know. But Russell Wilson, you know, has got a better arm. Russell Wilson has better legs. Um, so you could make the case that he's got more raw talent to work with here than he did with Drew Brees. And this is to take nothing away from Drew Brees. I love Drew Brees. You know, I remember Drew Brees back when I used to root for the Chargers before they uh, they bailed out of San Diego and tried to hold the city hostage. And I, I was I was done with the Chargers. For, you know, I rooted for the Chargers from the time I was five or six years old until they left, and the way that they left. Um, I love Drew Brees. I was sad when he left the Chargers. So, job number one for Sean Payton is to fix Russell Wilson. I don't know that, you know, and they're playing in a division that's got a lot of talent. So, he's got, you know, this isn't working, you know, in the in the old division that the Saints had. This is working in a division where the teams, you could make the case that it is top to bottom, perhaps the best division in the NFL. It's arguable. But you've got the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. You've got the Chargers, and, and despite all the mistakes that the Chargers made and, you know, the the issues that they have with their head coach, you know, they've got Herbert, who's one of the best quarterbacks around, and they have talent. And you have the Las Vegas Raiders that, you know, it's, again, what are they going to do quarterback-wise? Well, Tom Brady was one of those guys that was rumored to be going there too, right, because of Josh McDaniels. So, uh, but there's talent on that Raider team as well. This is not an easy division for Sean Payton to just walk in and say, hey, I'm here, everybody else lay down. 
But Denver paid a high price for this, and they paid a high price for Russell Wilson. And if this doesn't work, they're in trouble. They are in big trouble. This could be the kind of train wreck. Remember when the Minnesota Vikings uh, was it? Yeah, was it the Vikings that uh, traded Herschel Walker? Didn't work out so well for him. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, and and uh, look, Seattle. Based on the way Russell Wilson played this year, Seattle was better off with Geno Smith than they were with Russell Wilson, because he had. He had, you know, he had kind of regressed a little bit. And maybe maybe Russell Wilson's one of those guys. Maybe he's not fixable at this point in his career. Right? Maybe, maybe Russell Wilson is done. Maybe Russell Wilson is going to have the kind of drive. Now, Russell Wilson had more, more skills, raw skills, than Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco at one time was the darling of the NFL. And he went from being the starting quarterback for the Ravens to being a bench warmer. So maybe, you know, maybe Russell Wilson is at that point. He's 34 years old. It's not like he's some 28-year-old quarterback that they can fix. He is 34 years old. And and we look at the age of quarterbacks differently than we do other position players because they tend to play longer. But, you know, not everybody is Tom Brady. But when you look at Russell Wilson's last year in Sandy, or in uh, Seattle, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't as great as he had been in the past. And his numbers, you know, were kind of going downhill a little bit. Now, he had a great 2020 in Seattle, threw 40 touchdown passes that year, completed 69% of his passes and threw for 4,200 yards. But he threw for 1,100 fewer yards in 2021 and only 25 touchdowns. You know, now his yards per attempt were about the same, but, you know, maybe, maybe it's the beginning of a downward slide for him. I hope not. You know, I'm not wishing this on him, but Sean Payton has his work cut out for him. There is no question about that, and this is a very, very high price that the Denver Broncos have paid. Um, the Houston Texans also have a new coach, and I like this. This is interesting. Demeco Ryan's he's only 38 years old, but he was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers the last couple of years. And uh, the San Francisco 49ers, their defense, despite what we saw, you know, this week against the Eagles, you know, and that was that was more about you know, the fact that their offense couldn't do anything than the defense per se. But, um, you know, they only allowed 300 yards a game. You know, they've had the, one, the best defense in the NFL the last couple of years. Um. So, and look, you know, the other part about this, Ryan's played linebacker for Houston. I mean, this is a guy that was a fan favorite when he was there. He was a second-round pick for the Texans back in 2006. When he was the uh, defensive rookie of the year 
So the fans loved him. But, he, again, this is another guy that's got his work cut out for him. And one thing that we have found out in <laughs> in uh, in Houston is that the leash is very short. Now I don't, I don't, I didn't see. I I heard a rumor that the they were going to give him some uh, like a five or six year deal. I have not seen uh, that for sure, but I I had read rumors about that. But here's the thing. He's the third straight black coach that they have hired in Houston. The other two got fired after one year. <laughs> Lovey Smith went three thirteen and one, and he was out of there after one year. So they're paying a lot of money to ex coaches. Um, you know, and and here's the thing, you know, it's not like these guys were handed the keys to a Maserati. This team's got some work to do. And their front office is a bit of a uh, wild card. So how is he going to be able to work with them? Uh, we'll see. You know, uh, the team owner, Cal McNair, was, was more involved in this process than he has been in the past. But, you know, David Culley and Lovey Smith were both out of there after one year. They got to fix the quarterback issue, number one. You know, uh, the whole Deshaun Watson thing, uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, Deshaun Watson continues to screw people everywhere, and, and no pun intended, but, you know, got himself in, in trouble and hurt that franchise. And Cleveland gave up, you know, the sun, the moon, the earth, and the stars to get him there, and he was no great shakes when he came off of his suspension. You know, they got to hope that uh, the offseason, a, a full training camp, and a chance to kind of get back into the routine is going to allow him to shake off the rust. But I'll tell you what, when he came back to Cleveland, he was awful. So got to hope, you know, if you're Cleveland, you hope that he's okay, you know, and that they're that he's going to be worth the price that they paid. But he he screwed the Texans when he got himself in legal trouble. So they got to fix that, number one. But, uh, look, I, I like the hire, you know, bringing a guy back uh, that is a, a fan favorite and somebody that was a member of this organization can never be a bad thing. Especially when you need some goodwill with your fan base to fix this. You know, you bring in somebody that's got no real ties to that community or to that team, yeah, you're, you may be not going to get much uh, leeway from the fans and from the media. I think Ryan's will at least get that. Uh, one other quick note, uh, the uh, Tennessee Titans announced yesterday that they are going to be tearing up the grass field at Nissan Stadium, and they're going to be putting down a new synthetic surface prior to the start of the 2023 season. Um, why? Injuries. Uh, and they are, they are convinced, and even the NFL is convinced, that it is their natural grass surface that is causing the injuries. Each of the last two years, the Titans have led the NFL for most players used, including a league record. They used 91 players in 2021 because of injuries. That's the most in a non-strike season ever in the NFL. 91. And they also learned from the NFL that games at Nissan Stadium have had players suffer more lower body injuries than at the league's other stadiums um, that have 
synthetic turf fields. Now this new this new turf that they're going to put on is something it's it's different. It's called it's a it's called Matrix Helix Turf, and it's a it's a bit different. Most synthetic surfaces have uh, rubber as their base. And, you know, if you've ever been on an artificial turf field, you know, these little rubber pellets a lot of times are flying up. Uh, this new turf is a, it's a, it's a monofilament uh, technology, and it has an organic fill that retains moisture better than, uh, than other synthetic fields, and it's supposedly uh, much more forgiving. So the Titans are certainly hoping that is true, uh, and they can cut down the uh, the number of injuries uh, coming up in the uh, in the 2023 season. It's 45 minutes past here. We're going to take one more break. We'll be back to wrap things up. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, I watched a, the UConn men play last night. UConn, I tell you what, they're they're ranked 24th in the country, and I'm still still kind of shocked. I still think that they're one of the most complete players. But right now, this team is is still um, searching for consistency. I'm not quite sure. Even last night, they beat DePaul last night. Now DePaul is was four and eight in the Big East, um, and uh, you know, but they're still a very very good team at home. UConn wins this game, ninety to seventy six. UConn had a seventeen point lead at one point in this game, but then they kind of you know they had a seventeen point lead. It looked like they were going to run away and hide. And then it's they just completely lost focus. The next thing you know, it's a six-point game. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I've, I've seen this before. Here we go again. Now, you know, UConn did a great job after that. They went on a 16-4 to run after that to pull away and win this thing fairly easily. But it wasn't as easy as it looked. Uh, Adama Sadogo got himself into some foul trouble. Uh, Donovan Klingon, the, uh, the big freshman, out of Bristol, Connecticut, 7-2. Had to play a lot of minutes last night, which is great. I'll tell you what, I like this kid. Um, he continues to impress me. Um, ripped down some big rebounds last night. Had three block shots, you know, replacing Sonogo. I like him a lot. Uh, but uh, the story of the line here last night was the free throw line. UConn went to the line 34 times in this game, and they were 30 of 34. 30 of 34 from the line. That'll win you a lot of games. Now, and UConn has gotten hosed, you know, a couple of times this season in the Big East where, you know, they've gone, the other team has gone to the line, you know, 30, 35 times, and UConn's been in single digits. You know, there's been some questionable officiating at times, but you can't, at the end of the day, this team needs to be more consistent. And, look, Danny Hurley is is a, a good coach. He's very defensive-minded. And we saw better defense from UConn last night. But at times, and, and he has said this, that he wants his team to freelance a little bit more offensively, and he kind of lets them go. I actually think, look, and I'm not a guy that believes that you need to be a regimented coach and you need to call the play every time down and they need to run the play and they can't use their athleticism. I'm not saying that, but I think that at times Danny Hurley telling his team, hey, you know, Feel free to you know to kind of you know freelance a little bit. I think I think it's kind of like you tell a kid you know you, you, you the old saying you give a kid kid an inch and they take a mile. And I think there are times when his players get a little bit too free. 
they get a little bit too carried away. They get a little bit too cocky, and they get a little bit uh, uh, loose with the basketball and loose with the shot selection. You know, coming down and jacking up a three the first you know five six seconds into the shot clock. You know, there are there are times I think that he maybe needs to be a little bit more regimented offensively. You know, uh, easy for me to say sitting here uh, in my studio in North Carolina, but you know that's what it seems to me. Uh, but anyway, so UConn gets back to 500 in the Big East, uh, a win that they definitely needed. Look, they had lost six of their last eight games. They've got a chance for another easy victory, or should be. Uh, they go to play Georgetown on Saturday. Georgetown has won one game in the Big East in the last three years. They won it this year. They broke a huge uh, streak of not winning a game. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you've heard the the call on the uh, Georgetown radio network when they won their Big East game. The first one, I want to say it was like, I don't know, was it 39 games? Something ridiculous. And the guy said, Hoyas win, Hoyas win, Hoyas win. He must have said it 30 straight times. This wasn't like, you know, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants with the old famous baseball. This guy said it 30 times. I wanted to punch this guy right in the face. (laughs) It's about as annoying as it could possibly be. I heard it. I've heard it a couple of times now, and the second time I heard it, I had to mute the sound of my television immediately. Uh, the UConn women play tonight. They will play Providence College for the second time this season. UConn, of course, fifth in the country, twenty and two, undefeated in the Big East. They'll be undefeated in the Big East after Providence uh, game. They beat them at Gamble ninety-eight to fifty-three earlier. So this will be a walk in the park. It's one that they need. The good news for the UConn women: uh, Caroline Ducharme may be coming back for this game tonight. She has missed the last nine games after suffering a concussion during practice um, at the end of December. So she has not played in 2023. And um, they need another body. I mean, Gino R.E.M. in the game the other day played six players. And that sixth player played six minutes. His starters played all but six minutes of that game. You can't get away with that on a regular basis. So Ducharme hopefully will be back tonight. Um, still no word on when AZ Fudd is coming back from that knee injury. The second time she's injured that knee this year. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see for that, but they have number one, South Carolina at the XL center on Sunday. And, uh, if they had Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd and everybody else healthy, they could give South Carolina a game. I'm not so sure this isn't a 20, 25-point win for South Carolina. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But this could be ugly. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes win last night. Sebastian Ajo with a goal, a power play goal with 54 seconds left in overtime to give the Hurricanes another win. Ajo has now scored in five straight games, um, and uh, he's extended. He's actually had a point in nine straight games, but he scored a goal in five straight and Carolina is on a roll. They have won six straight, and they uh, they whacked the Boston Bruins the other night. They had a big come-from-behind victory the other day um, when they were trailing in the, uh, the third period and came back. Um, so, look, this team is right now one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Bruins have lost three straight. The Bruins play tonight at Toronto the fourth game in a five-game road swing, and the Bruins are hoping they can right the ship tonight. But the Carolina Hurricanes suddenly are starting to breathe down the neck of the Boston Bruins a little bit. Um, 
The Major League Baseball announced the uh, full schedule yesterday, including times. Opening day for Major League Baseball, folks, is two months away. A little less than two months. March 30th. Um, <laughs> spring training starts in two weeks. Pitchers and catchers report in two weeks. We've got the World Baseball Classic coming up in March. Uh, so Gene's happy time is coming. You know, we have the Super Bowl coming up next week, but uh, then it's going to be all baseball, and uh, I can't wait. The Red Sox, of course, open up the season at home. That ought to be a joy, by the way. Fenway Park, March 30th. It'll be nice and warm there, I'm sure. Uh, they will open up against the Baltimore Orioles. This, I'm really looking forward to this season a little bit uh, in that they've changed the schedule. And now, instead of playing 76 games against division opponents, they'll only play 52. It used to be that you played every team in your division, I think it was 19 times. Now they'll play everybody in their division 13 times. I like that. Um now there's going to be 64 intra-league games, 32 home, 32 away, against all the non-divisional league opponents. Um, that's down from 66. But what they're going to have now is interleague games. There's going to be 46 games against the other league. So the Red Sox will play 46 games against National League opponents, uh, which, by the way, is it's a big increase from the 20 that they've played in the past. Um, I don't know. I, look, I'm not a big fan of the interleague stuff, you know, but I'm an old guy. You know, I like the whole American League, National League, and you didn't see each other to the World Series. But it's just like every other league now when you think about it. I mean, the NFL, you know, the AFC and NFC play each other. The You know, in, in the NHL, you play everybody. So it's not it's not like it used to be. And uh, I need to get with the times. But, um, but I am happy that they're not going to be – like the Red Sox and the Yankees aren't going to play 19 times. I'm happy about that. I like the variety. Um, so it'll give me a chance to see the Red Sox when they come down uh, to play the Atlanta Braves again. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, March 30th, 2.05 at Fenway Park. The Yankees, by the way, also open up at home. That'll be a warm day as well, I'm sure, in New York City. Uh, and their opening game, the San Francisco Giants. How about that? And, of course, the San Francisco Giants used to be the New York Giants, so it'll be a throwback to the, uh, you know, to the 40s and 50s and or the 30s, 40s, 50s when they uh, the Giants used to play uh, in the National League, and the Yankees used to play in the American League, and they would never see each other in the regular season. It could only happen in the World Series, but now they will open the 2023 season against each other. That's kind of cool. I like that. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We'll leave you this morning. A little hootie and the blowfish. You only want to be with you. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.